And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, breaking news, Brian! Uh, Joe Harris out four to eight weeks because of a little bone particle that is floating around in his injured ankle. He's going to get surgery. We'll talk about that impact and how the Nets may have a replacement available that's not currently on the roster. We'll discuss that. And overrated, underrated. We're going to look at the eight, I think it's eight, biggest headlines sort of surrounding the team this year. And we're going to discuss whether it is, in fact, overrated or underrated. And before we get the show started, this podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best and with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at DirecTV.com. Guys, this is Mike here. Say hello, hello. Brian. Check us out on Twitter at bkglueguysnetsdaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself behind that paywall yeah. at theathletic.com. I still think the Black Friday deal is active. I don't think it's going to last past this week. Okay. A dollar a month for an entire year. 12 bucks. Wow. Ryan. Wow. That is a lunch sushi special. Two rolls. Mm. California with that crab stick. Not even with and taxes. A roll. Not even with taxes. Not even with taxes. Yeah. So you're basically giving up that opportunity to eat imitation crab meat and a veggie roll to get all this amazing sports content. I'm telling you, Brian, get behind that paywall. Hashtag get behind that paywall. I got back there. I got I'm behind. I'm in enemy territory. Mike. Brian how has stormed the gates. Uh wow. Wow, Bry. Thanksgiving. Huh? What a great holiday. Uh I am good. Uh, how do we feel about the Nets? Do I, I have a hot take for you about Thanksgiving. Please. What's up with, with people pitting like foods against each other for Thanksgiving? Can we just briefly talk about the expectation <laughs> to have like a which which thing is better and which thing is worse? And, and especially, you know, the um, yeah. the paradox of that being a thankful holiday. And we're just at war over is stuffing good? Is is mashed potatoes over underrated? Or we're going to get to that? What's the cranberry sauce? With which to eat? It's a war out there, Mike. And I'll tell you what, I am, <laughs> you know, I'm both, I don't want to get dragged into those conversations anymore. If I could, I've decided that this was it. This is the last year that I'm going <laughs> to, that I'm going to go to bat for any, any of my preferences. Right. That's it. It's the podcastification of America. Ah, everything is a debate. That's right. We have to debate everything. When can we all just so get along and enjoy what we enjoy? Yeah. Like, why do I have to argue with you about my food tastes? Right. Yeah. If you enjoy, well, you have to because your food tastes are <laughs> good, awful, good, awful. <laughs> I famously did not like yeah. uh, spinach artichoke dip 
And Brian at the time, this was like, this is funny. One of the few things we remember about the show, we've been doing it for eight years, nine mm-hmm. years now, 20 which years. is long depressing. time. Long time. Um, my take that spinach archery would tip was terrible. Brian correctly assessed at that exact moment that I just haven't had good spinach artichoke dip. Whoa. And you were correct. You reversed it? I do love it now. Oh, my God. I love it now. That never happens. At least, you know what I like about you, Mike? You have the courage to admit when you're wrong. That's that's (laughs) courageous, man. That's what I like. (laughs) Mike, there was some Nets basketball played not too long ago, Um, although it it feels like a long time ago. It does feel like a long time. I mean, we last potted, I think, on Wednesday. Yeah. Was Was it it Wednesday? Did we and pl- get before the Celtics or after the Celtics? We were before the Celtics game. Yeah. So a tale, then, a tale of two games here, Mike, that we have. You know, easy, so tale. easy to forget. This is It feels like this happens every week. What so you, easy to forget. The, the, the um, more of a Cuomo guy, actually. More of a Cuomo guy. Uh, <laughs> is that off color? I don't think you can that, be a Cuomo guy at this point. Yeah. I don't think that's allowed, That's Brian. the joke. That's the joke. Um the tale of two games, Mike, was yes. we do this every week and uh, it, it seems like it always happens that the good game happened uh, before the bad game. And then we had a really bad game against. So we beat this. We beat up on the Celtics. That was uh, it was joyous. Everyone just like steamrolled. And then we uh, played maybe the worst half of basketball in in the, the KD era. Uh, against the Suns in, in yet another. <laughs> I don't know if I can confirm that, but I, yeah, it's a, it feels that way. It's a, that's a feelings uh, based argument, but um, I guess the Suns on Saturday and in a, you know, a, a big Saturday night, everyone's fired up uh, and just yes. yet again, another, I think it was the largest crowd in Barclays regular season history. Yeah. There you go. Suns, well, how is it that that changes? I feel like you have a sellout. It's like a set, like, isn't there a set number? Are they adding and subtracting seats? Adding What's- there's adding and subtracting <laughs> happening. But like they a, actual a seats, seat. they, yeah, I think they put like a couple of seats in. I've, it's a gimmick. I think it's a it's a marketing. They just gimmick like put folding chairs, like it's like yeah. in certain. All right, I mean, just I like ev- anywhere, anywhere. The I thought there was a stalls. set number of seats, and you could either have them all or or not. And so, anyways, that's. Can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. You know, typically during the playoffs, there'll be like standing room only seats, and you can get into the stadium for like fifty bucks for big playoff games. Where are the seats? Price ticket? Um, like. What was it? The, what's the Nissan Pavilion, the Toyota Center, or the Bacardi Bar? Those are you can't just get a ticket for the Honda Club, which because if I <laughs> apologies to Honda, please. Um, but you can get you a ticket a that has a CRV that has access <laughs> to the Honda Club. That's the that's the meme, right? Anyways, let's say the Nets are in the NBA Finals. Okay, they're okay. playing the Los Angeles Lakers. Unlikely well, now for them. Well, yeah, good, not for good us. Call. What is the price point on a on a ticket that would only get you into the bathroom? You could you, you have to the seat is in the bathroom and you have to stay in the bathroom. You can't and watch on your phone or what are we doing? You can't walk in the concourse. You can't go get food, but you are in the arena watching on your phone in the bathroom. Do you even pay a dollar for that seat? Do I pay a dollar to sit in a in a public bathroom? <laughs> no. No, I don't. What kind of a question okay. is that? <laughs> Brett, your mark, get at me. I know you're not with the Nets anymore, but that's a marketing yeah. idea. Is there a TV in there at least? I mean, at least yeah, like... there's a TV in there. <laughs> okay. There's a TV in there. Well, that changes but everything. <laughs> it's you and a but uh, five sweaty, sweaty men in one stall, which is actually a good time. Good. Sounds like a great time for me. Jeez. Brooklyn Nets. Yes. Brooklyn Nets. So how do we rationalize this, right? We're, the Suns game was bad. Celtics game was good. And I do want to talk about the Celtics game for a second. Okay. Because- 
it was getting mighty chippy. The only thing I want to talk about, I know it was forever ago. It was getting mighty chippy and LaMarcus Aldridge, Patty Mills and Kevin Durant put their foot down. I really forget if James Harden was really a part of this, but they put their foot down and squashed the Celtics to such a degree that I really love. There's an aggression, a veteran savvy that I loved. And then they lose to the Suns Mm. and we're all upset and sad. We're going to do overrated, underrated, a great segment that no one has ever done before. Great, Huge. One of the topics is the Nets cannot beat elite teams in the NBA. Should we just jump in? I mean, like (laughs) overrated, underrated. Do you feel like that's a thing? Do you feel like it's a real actual thing? And why? Because I I have an idea and I think it's kind of clear why they can't beat the elite teams right now. Yeah. But I mean, it's a thing. I think we have to recognize that it is a real meme because here's the teams that they've lost to this season. I, I mean, it's so funny because everyone, you know, flips out about the Nets and, oh, they can't beat the the national media descends upon the Nets like no other because they have Kevin Durant, James Harden, and they don't have Kyrie Irving. The Nets losses were against the Suns, Warriors, Bulls, Heat, Hornets and Bucks. The Hornets are the worst team in that. And they're 13 and nine and they're pretty frisky. They're a good team. The Nets' best wins were against the Atlanta Hawks while the Hawks were still struggling. The 76ers, which was in the second game of the year, and the Celtics. The Celtics in that recent blowout, but the Celtics aren't, you know, they're a tier two below where the Nets want to be and where the Nets are. Um, Brian, overrated, underrated. The Nets can't beat elite teams. Is that overrated or underrated? Man. Oh wow! It's you know what I had to like, be honest with yourself, Brian. I think it's rated appropriately. Is that is that an option? I think yeah. I think it's it's oh it is an option. Yes. <laughs> I mean, here's here's the state of of uh, my level of taking this serious. And you saw we talked about this on the pre production meeting call. <laughs> uh, I spent yesterday actually looking at statistics, which is you know something's terribly wrong in the universe if I'm <laughs> if I'm spending any time, let alone you know Sunday afternoon time. Uh, deep diving in the NBA analytics stuff, um, looking for any kind of like jump off the page stats to fit into like, what, why is this, the crustiness of this offense so obvious? Like what is, what is wrong with this offense? Why is it like, what's, what's exactly what's happening? And there's a couple of data points, but the one that really popped off the page, the one that I started tweeting out about was drives per game. Um, there was uh, a lively conversation on Twitter about it, whether this is a personnel, um, based thing or whether this is uh about um Steve coaching. Nash's Steve- in- inability <laughs> yeah. to coach the Nets. Yeah. yeah, that's that's well put. Um and I think it's a little of both. If I had to actually like, you know, you know, put my two cents on it. But uh basically what I'm what I'm trying to think is like, okay, so we're having some serious trouble against good defenses. It appears to be that like anyone that's actually playing significantly decent defense like it's not just good teams it's these are te- good teams with like formidable defenses um they are scheming appropriately for kevin durant in a way that we're just somehow not accounting for like they basically face guarded uh durant with jay crowder everywhere he went and then as soon as he got the ball he was doubled i mean this is you know that's not a it's not a crazy you know out of out of the box way of of guarding kevin durant but um it was 
effective and we didn't ever do anything about it. Um, again, this comes back to a whole bunch of other endemic problems and we can go into all this other like, you know, how do you, you know, what's the other solutions if James Harden is not being super James Harden dude? Um, there's a whole lot there. But uh, I guess one of the big things that I was like looking for in doing that in doing that deep dive was like, uh, can we build a data set around like what is different from this year versus previous years? And it's really stark how much our, our driving game has changed over the last couple of years. Uh, we used to rank third, you know, in the Atkinson years from, from 2016 to 2020 year in, year out, we were the third most driving team, almost, you know, like a Swiss train right there. Number three, but for one year we were number four. Um, and then in the last two years with Nash, we were 23rd, last year and 27th now this year. So we're, we're regressing. We're even, we're falling further back. And that kind of, I I think like when we're talking about modern basketball and we often do on this show, you know, the, the analytics guys will tell you that uh, it's, it's threes and, and and shots at the rim. That's like the the main effect of what you're trying to do offensively. Uh, And we're missing just the one uh, 50% of that component. We are full blown missing at this point. Um, Now we can go into like, Kyrie Irving playing touch football professionally now and how that's a big part of the problem and so on and so forth. But I just wanted to kind of <laughs> demonstrate. <laughs> Everyone take a shot. Brian talked about touch football. <laughs> every show. Take your shot. It's going to happen every show. Um, but yeah, and I just gonna, kind of wanted to put like what, what's one big data point that like jumps off the page and that's it. So um, in terms of are, are we – does that all that amount to like are we actually worried about beating good teams going forward? I kind of am, honestly. I would like to see us beat one, you know, just just the one. <laughs> I mean, Celtics don't scare me. And I've often talked on this show no, about Celtics how don't. they're not a really actually good team. They're kind of fugazi. Um, and uh, whereas the Suns and the Warriors um, and to a lesser extent the Heat are really good teams. And we just weren't competitive really about, uh, against any of those teams really at any point. I mean, maybe he used the Heat a little bit, but. Yeah, and and so I like when you try to dig. Down, I mean, I think a lot of this is, is like when you watch the games. You there's just this weird sense that the t- the Nets don't have enough firepower during the games. I mean, this is a real clear stat. And typically, when people bring up points scored during a game, if you don't score a lot of points against good teams, you're going to lose against them. But in these, in the Nets have lost how many games this season? Six games this year so far. Um, in four of those losses, the Nets have ske- scored fewer than 100 points, right? This goes to what you're saying, which is they're not scoring enough. If you look at Kevin Durant's, I mean, basketball reference, God bless them. God, I mean, God bless. The, the the amount of data that you have here, oh. and when you go game logs and you look at all the Nets' losses, you look at just Kevin Durant's game logs, here's what he's putting out in, the, in, in losses, okay? 38 points, 32 points, 19, which is as low in a loss, 38, 25, and then against the Suns, he had 39 points, Four steals, seven assists, and nine rebounds. He's playing like he's playing an elite level. Like even if you know the, we could say that the, we talked about how the Heat schemed him up pretty well, the, the Golden State Warriors did the best job by far against Kevin Durant. He was six for nineteen from the field. That was his worst game of the year, I think, so far. But everyone else, he's still putting up his numbs. It's that James Harden isn't what he was, and we'll get into overrated, underrated James Harden. And it's just that there's that there's that Kyrie size hole that's missing where like even if LaMarcus Aldridge plays well or Patty Mills plays well, not having Joe Harris, not having Kyrie Irving, it's kind of a deal. Mm. Right. And you're right. I, I want to see them, you know, beat someone good 
it would be nice to see or, or not just get BTFO'd by someone good. I mean, we're we're That's even kind of a, a thing. <laughs> yeah, we're we're getting clobbered. So here's what's coming. I'll just do a quick schedule thing. We usually do at the end, but they obviously play the Knicks Tuesday, which we'll talk about coming up. There's something delicious that's happening with the Knicks that I can't wait to discuss with you. We, uh, did we talk about the Joe Walker's Harris thing yet? Did we do that on the okay. show? Now we'll, we'll do Joe. Yeah. Let's do Joe Harris next. Okay. Oh, yeah. we'll, we'll do overrated, underrated that injury. Okay. But Timberwolves, and then they play the Bulls. Okay. And that it's a Bulls game at home on a Saturday on a back-to-back for the Nets. Um, you know, and then after that, they play like a bunch of like not that good teams. So we're not going to get like a compelling game coming up for the Nets in a while. So they still have a lot of time to sort of figure this out. Um, let's do overrated, underrated Joe Harris's injury. So the injury, it's his ankle injury. He's going to get surgery on it. The The good news, I guess, is that Steve Nash says once he gets the surgery and cleans up that part of his ankle, he should be good to go once he rehabs and he's ready to roll. The timeline that Mark Bartlestein, Joe Harris's agent, told Adrian Wojnarowski is that it's four to eight weeks. Now, four weeks could fly by, right? And we could feel, oh, four weeks, we won't really notice it as much. Um, you and I haven't discussed much the fact that Joe Harris hasn't been playing uh, with the team for mm-hmm. a couple of weeks now. Right. <clears throat> Are we underrating the lack of Joe Harris? I'm going to say yes, just from my perspective. I think I'm not giving enough credit because ultimately this is who Joe Harris is. He's a top three, three point shooter in the NBA on pretty high volume is a reliable player out there on the floor for the most part. And he sucks up 31 minutes a game, uh, playing a guard wing position on the team. And he, by him not being out there, you don't get the super fun Harden, Joe Harris, Patty Mills, KD, LaMarcus Aldridge lineup that we could be having like the, the ultimate devastating shooting offensive force lineup. So we don't have that. Are we underrating or are we overrating? I don't, I don't think we can overrate his injury, but are we yeah, underrating? overrating the negative effects of it? Um, you yeah. know, we're in an interesting spot, I think, because, you know, per, per what we were just talking about, um, we're not having difficulty beating average to below average teams. We're just, you know, we're, we look good against them. So um, I think everything, uh, if you look at it from that perspective, pretty much all we need from a you know proof of concept perspective is like <clears throat> when we have all of our guys, can we beat good teams? Uh, and again, I'm putting an asterisk by all of our guys because again, touch football is, is alive and well in Paramus. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I am not. Uh, I I know what Joe Harris is. He's a known quantity. Like I, you know, that he gets injured is. You know, that's that's what happens in life and in and in basketball. Um, so I'm not overly concerned about it, like if he comes back, whatever. I will say I think there's an opportunity to yet again like increase the reps for for our rotation guys. Having Benbury and Patty Mills in the starting lineup since yes. since Harris has been out a little bit, I've not I've I've been enjoying my Ben VP. Uh shout out to the Discord for coining Ben VP um <laughs> <laughs> minutes. Uh that uh, by the way, in the the invites in the Twitter bio and the YouTube description below, um, Benbury Benbury as a uh, replacement for both him and, and kind of Bruce Brown de facto uh, has been awesome, 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 and it's been super fun to watch uh, him grow. I'm like even now I'm questioning like what the ceiling for for DeAndre apostrophe Benbury could be uh, because do you see how the apostrophes at yeah, the end I, of yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it. his nickname should be the apostrophe. The apostrophe. I mean, the, where it's placed is yeah. beautiful. Great job on you, 
yeah. mama and dada Bembry. <laughs> DeAndre's you know? Bembry. Um, uh, but yeah, I, yeah, again, this feels like you started off the pod by talking about why we have to pit Thanksgiving foods against each other. Yeah, now I'm pitting players against each other. That's what. Yeah, we do. I feel like I'm going to do that here by saying, "Holy shit, is Bembry just taking Bruce Brown's lunch? Is Bembry becoming?" a little bit more of a versatile offensive. I mean, he's actually much more versatile offensive force than Bruce Brown. He's a better rebounder than Bruce Brown. He's not as rugged and he isn't, you know, last year. Let's not forget that Bruce Brown was the best center in the NBA for a stretch uh, for a period of the season. It's, it's, it's a difference. It's like a, it's a, I love the comparison, but it's also super different. Like Bruce Brown is a knuckleball. So different. He is a complete, he's a UFIS pitch that the world has never seen before. Whereas Bembry is, is what you know the Ufus the Ufus pitch is that is that like the weirdly slow pitch in baseball? It's like a giant. It's like a really high arcing. They they throw it in like the Japanese leagues a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm just blown away that you pulled out a Ufus pitch. Come on, euphemism. I've I hang out on the internet, so I know a few things. Um, But they uh, and whereas Bembry is like you know becoming sort of just like a standard versatile more than just a three and D the kind of people, you know, the guy we used to talk about, well, now that he can shoot threes, he's, you know, it wasn't even a three and D guy. He was like kind of compared to Bruce Brown because he was another weird wing that couldn't shoot threes. Uh, but now he's still, he's locked in or is he, he's probably falling off. I actually haven't checked in a while. No, no, he's shooting 41% from three. Now he's taking one attempt a game Perfect. from the floor, he knows, he knows, but he's shooting 41%. I, I, that, that three is always the, he's only taking an open three. He's never done like pull up threes. He's not Javon Carter. He's shooting 60% from two. His effective field goal percentage is 60%. I mean, most of his shots come from two. He's he had that one game, was it against the Celtics, where he had seven rebounds in the first quarter? Um I I'm like obviously super pumped about Bembry. Um, and I you know, I want Bruce Brown at full health too. But Bembry offers the thing that I think this team almost needed more than anything besides like a really strong center, like a Jonas Valanciunas type, you know, just pulling just a name to, yeah. off the ether out of the ether. Um, out of the Cause ethos. they didn't have really a, 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 a wing athletic defender who was versatile and could switch on to a whole bunch of guys like Jeff green was that, but Bembry's a quicker, quicker, smaller version of Jeff green. Like he, like Bembry is just has this odd level of like Sean Marion athleticism. He's just not like a butler where Jeff Green could play center and go to power forward. Bembry is oscillating more between like shooting guard, small forward, and maybe a little small ball four, maybe a little bit depending on the lineup. Uh, he's been awesome and his contribution to the team has been fantastic. I mean, at some point we're going to have to, I guess we're going to talk about Blake Griffin. I don't know if you saw the quote today. Blake had a media availability today. This is so sad. And I feel bad even saying this. Uh, he said he reached out to DeAndre Jordan to ask how to handle getting benched on the net. So like he, <laughs> he literally, he literally. DeAndre's like, like, oh, well, I've written the book on this. So let me. <laughs> oh, yeah. pull up a chair, Blake. Yeah. I will let you know what it's like to be benched that by the Nets. It is hilarious. Like he, he is the expert in that. Like the, he is the guy that they go to. Like CNBC as a guy that they go to for whenever there's like a media rights deal. Mm-hmm. He's that guy. He's like DeAndre Jordan is the expert on getting yeah. benched by the Nets. Um, 
but he's getting benched by the Nets. And Deion Bembry is like this new class of role player. Him, Lamarcus Aldridge, Patty Mills have replaced, you know, the old guard of of role play. That's a funny person to pick it too, because I wouldn't like have selected DeAndre Jordan as having handled benching particularly well. Like, (laughs) or maybe he did. I, I don't know. Um, I, I guess last year he did the Kenny Atkinson year. No, so like was was DeAndre's advice like you should get Nash fired? <laughs> He's like start some shit, dude. <laughs> He's like, Yo, get get talk to Sham Sharania. He just hands him a source. copy of Sun Tzu: The Art of War. <laughs> Let's do this. Come here, yeah. come here, come to the dark side. You could be more powerful. Um, uh, so I, I talking about role players. Uh, Lamarcus Aldridge, overrated, underrated, or or are we properly rating? Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's properly rated as, as goat. I mean, like, what's you know, how can we? He's the the greatest. Ever. <laughs> I mean, he's appropriately rated, goated. Um, hit, 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 just for some numbers, you know, I love per thirty six. By the way, uh, which is it's a joke. I'm I actually per thirty six is literally a joke. But Lamarcus is the Nets' third leading scorer, fourteen points per game in twenty two minutes. So his per 36 is 23 and 10, 10 rebounds being the 10. That checks out. And and that feels so correct. I honestly think, like, if we're going to go, who has saved the Nets season so far? The Nets are in first place in the East. So, like, this isn't a dire situation. But without LaMarcus Aldridge, if they'd gone to the year, like, there was a very real scenario where LaMarcus still had a heart condition that was too worrying and that he would not be on this team. If he wasn't, and the Nets had to rely upon like Blake and Paul Millsap, I think this seems like 500, honestly, without LaMarcus. LaMarcus has been so crucial because in the games when they, that they've won, he's been the guy supplying that sort of like third punch behind KD and Harden. Now, Patty Mills is, is definitely like, Patty Mills is fantastic. Overrated, underrated, Brian Patty Mills is a signing. I think... I think kind of underrated. I mean, it, it I don't can't know. possibly be overrated. I mean, it's it's. The I best. can't th- imagine. The, I'd not imagine he'd be this good on this team. Like I thought that he would be important. I thought that like in playoff time he would hit some big shots, but I kind of had had not thought that he would be any good in the regular season, like to this level. And he's the. I mean, he's right now he's the best three point shooter in the NBA, shooting fifty percent from three, mm. and he's incredible. And he's fiery and good vibes all around. But him and LaMarcus have really saved those two. I mean, LaMarcus still technically, I guess, was a free agent signing. Those two guys have saved this team because without them, and if they had just gone the season relying on Blake, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, Bruce Brown, you know, they wouldn't, this would be a disastrous season. And they've been incredible so far this year. I'm just thinking about the Javon Carter minutes still, <clears throat> and I, I'm going back to my fixation <laughs> on, on, on drives per game. And I'm wondering if, like, the only reason that he's getting reps and now why, and I kind of talked about this in the Twitter thread, like why Cam Thomas has suddenly cracked the rotation is because our dribble pre- penetration is so, so whack right now um, that it's like, okay, can Cam, can anybody just take the man off the dribble and get get something going offensively into the into the heart of the defense? Um there's some people talking, and we talked about this, I think, a little bit in previous episodes. Uh, might be Sean Goodfriend, a good friend of the pod, who, by the way, has stopped emailing us, and I think he's just out of sheer animosity towards you. Um, Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Has lofted out John. John Wall was seen like in uh, one of those fancy like practice facilities New York in City Manhattan. Gyms, yeah. yeah. Um, 
uh, is he a buyout candidate, Mike? He's, there's talk of him giving back to the you know Rockets rotation. There's all kinds of little bits and blurbs out there. What have you picked up? Because you, I know you have the inside track on on John Wall. Yeah, so it seems like I mean the whole reason why he's on the Rockets still is that he doesn't want to give any money back. I mean he's owed he has two years counting this year at ninety two million dollars on his contract. Like yeah, I guess if he said I'll give back two, 10 million bucks, but for the Rockets, I don't know what's their incentive to I guess save ten million dollars. Maybe there is some. I mean it's a lot of money, particularly for what about a Kyrie trade straight up? Okay, so Brian and I have an episode coming up, the Kyrie conundrum. And I've already built my list, Brian. If you go in our Google Docs, you can kind of see it. Okay. The more so, what I did, it, we've done this before. This is our long-running, <laughs> award-winning series. It started with the Levert line, and then what is the Dinwiddie dilemma? Yeah. The Kyrie, the Kyrie conundrum. Looking at all the guys, you go on Hoopsite player salaries. You figure out who the Nets could trade for with Kyrie's salary, and maybe with some interest. You have that perspective, right? Because you wouldn't trade Kyrie Irving for. LeBron James. No. But maybe you would. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe if you're the Lakers, maybe you would. Um, John Wall is two years, $92 million. He actually makes more money than Kyrie. So the the Nets would have to send more (laughs) salary out. They would have to find more salary on their team to send to the Houston Rockets. So, like, it's just not happening. I do think it's an interesting name, though, because you know that we know that John Wall, it was like two off seasons ago, was practicing with Kevin Durant and Kyrie and James Harden and Blake Griffin, like all together in that gym. When like, remember when like the only video we were getting of Kevin Durant during his comeback was him at this like high level gym on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. John Wall were, was a part of those games. Um, the other question is: Is John Wall cooked, worth anything? Cooked. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's I think he's cooked, particularly in the sense of like if you put him next to James Harden. Like <laughs> it's a real cook like, off. They're just <laughs> yeah, that's a, those are that's a barbecue. That's a barbecue corner. Yeah. That's an old fashioned firehouse barbecue. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and it's kind of a sad state of affairs that we're trying to talk ourselves into John Wall to get rid of Kyrie Irving. Like that's how bad it is with Kyrie Irving. Let's do this, Brian. Oh, let's take a break. Coming back, overrated, underrated. Kyrie's on the court impact. Kyrie's off the court impact. In James Harden's place so far this year, yes, Brian. Mike, this is part of the ads. I'm doing an ad. This is an ad. I oh. have an ad. ScaryKittles.com went live. I'm wearing the shirt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So tell people, tell, give people what, because <clears throat> not uh, everyone knows what Scary Kittles is. Some Nets fans and a Clippers fan who are artist and t-shirt designer guys approached me, wanted to do some stuff. We got together. We're making some t-shirts. Uh, it's a... It's e-commerce. You've heard of it, Mike, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, DTC. Um, that's direct-to-consumer. I Down think, to I cut. believe. Down to cut. <laughs> it is red-pilled and woke um, all at the same time. But, yeah, I'm wearing Brian is wearing shirt. a th- – this is, this is actually a shirt that, like, many people have have thirsted after on the internet. It's the Thick Boy shirt thick boys. with Zion Williamson, Stan Van Gundy, and who who's the last person? There's Barkley here. And Charles Barkley yeah, looking Barkley. real thick. Um, and uh, yeah, those those are almost sold out, Mike. We had a good little first uh, first couple of days. So uh, and then there's going to be a, a a Wizards a DC based basketball shirt coming out, Mike. That's going to be in the mail for you very soon. You you lucky dog. I can't wait. I'm going to wear it every day. But yeah, scarykills.com. It's fun, fun stuff. Um, coming back, we're going to talk Kyrie on off court impact, overrated, underrated, and James Harden. 
Coming right back. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back, Ryan. Overrated, underrated. Kyrie's impact on the court for the Nets. Have we overrated the fact that he's not playing or underrated the fact that he's not playing? Oh, man. I really got to tell you, I think I think it's underrated, if not rated yes, appropriately. Correct answer. He, uh, it's, it's, he's good. It's basketball. weird to think how <laughs> how useful he was. And actually, like we, we talked about, or people had talked about in the media, idiots coastal media elites knuckleheads sure. that there was like too much overlap uh between those the three star players or whatever there's only one ball brian and you really find there's out there's only that one ball when you get into the nitty-gritty it's a it's a real rock paper scissors it's they're fundamentally yeah. different players um especially uh offensively um which doesn't seem like it would be, but like, you know, what Kyrie does is we're in like missing it so badly. And I've, uh, again, I'll keep talking about it, but it's dribble penetration. It's, it's a huge problem for us. And it's uh, a real reason why we can't like break down these better defenses is because we just don't have any individual, like, you know, point guard threat who can take their first uh, man off the dribble and, and get into the, to the guts of the defense and start having um, it contract on them. So, um, we are in a tough spot without this dude, man. It's like a real problem. And Harden is missing that first step for whatever reason for now. And he can't get past speedier guards or wings. Um, and so we're stuck in like kick it, like waiting for Patty Mills to careen off of three off ball screens to maybe hopefully break something loose. It's, it's not a good situation or, you know, James Harden and like Bembry has a two man game or just KD does KD things, which is fine. And that's as you know, the, that's great because it's the best player to, to do that with, but it's and it's enough to be number one in the East and beat up on these bad teams. But it's we're hitting we're hitting up a roadblock, Mike. We're hitting up against that ceiling of how effective that offense can be. Yeah, and you know I've been working with my 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 sports take therapist a lot lately, <laughs> right? And and, my, and Dr. Stephen A. has told me oh. actually he would never do this, but I'll speak for my heart here when. It was determined that Kyrie Irving would not play with this basketball team by Joe Sy and Sean Marks. I was in support of it. I was in support of it. And I said, the Nets are still the title favorites without Kyrie Irving. I don't think they are. Whoa. And I 
vastly underrated a guy who was not going to play for them, who was averaging 35 and five last year on insane efficiency. Mm-hmm. I think it was arrogance on my part. Yeah. Uh, that I thought, oh, the Nets will be fine. They're still good. They're still the number one team in the East. Like, I don't want to sound alarms. Don't sound alarms, Brian. But at this point, I think we can just know that their ceiling is drastically lower without Kyrie Irving on the team. I hope that he gets vaccinated. And uh, I hope he starts playing basketball. Because as you say, he, I mean, he's so goddamn good. at He's so goddamn good at the sport. Mm. And if he I, is operating, I'm the only in the, one saying it. I'm the only guy that's been talking. <laughs> Your analysis, I agree with it. Um, also, if he's playing better, that allows Harden to play a little bit differently too, and it helps where it puts Harden more in that bench unit pick and roll whenever Nick Claxton comes back. I mean, we, we've talked about the offense. Um, many times and how different it is. And you have your great statistics about the fact that this team just isn't driving to the hole as much anymore. Um, part of that is because they aren't playing as much pick and roll um, as I think Harden would normally be playing. And that would affect, and that would help his drive at the basket. Kyrie is the type of guy who can play in any offense. So can Harden, but Kyrie can just, he does his thing and he's so damn effective in it. Um, underrated his on the court at, uh, impact, but I will say, for his off the court impact, so like the salacious headlines and all that stuff, I think it it was oh, it's overrated. Kyrie's off the court impact. I mean, it as like, I thought this would be a a brewing controversy all year. Leaks would be coming out of the Nets locker room about how Kyrie should get vaccinated or this or that, or the players are angry about him. It, it hasn't. Ha- I mean, like surprisingly, there's been nothing that has come out of the nets about how unhappy they are that Kyrie isn't vaccinated. This team has basically only sent support his way and gentle encouragement to get vaccinated. But beyond that, like Kevin Durant, James Harden haven't seemed to, to grouse about it as much as I thought they would. Yeah. It's I mean, been, it's not really it's players, a, players like the player mafia. I don't, you know, I think they're, they're above the fray in that kind of way. I think it's, it'd be seen as poor form. I think to weigh in one way or the other. Oh, you think? <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> I think you're wrong. I think, really? Yeah, they're all humans, and we're all like they're competitive people. And they, James Harden, particularly views this as a great chance to win a championship. And Kyrie kind like of publicly is, grouse about it. I don't know. That seems that no, seems way not out publicly, of but sourcely grouse about it. Be the source inside the Nets locker room say that they are upset with Kyrie for not getting vaccinated. Like I'm, supp- I'm surprised there hasn't been that story of like. Inside the Nets locker room, turmoil over Kyrie. Like, there are so many reporters who are dying to write that story, but we just haven't seen it. It hasn't happened. Will, and I compare this all the time, in 76ers land, those stories come out once a week. Once a week, those stories come out. Yeah. And it just hasn't happened here. Well, they have real, yeah, real animosity there. Um, Yeah, they hate each other. They hate each other. (laughs) So... So, um, yeah, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that's off brand for, you know, I feel like KD's thing is like, don't care about other people, like stay in your lane. And Harden is just, you know, <laughs> very, very much in Harden land. Just, yeah. just yells at people on defense yeah. and drinks <laughs> yeah. his smoothies. That's yeah. what he does. That's all he cares about in life. Did we talk about this that I have the theory that he likes smoothies because drinking food through a straw prevents getting food in your beard? Do you think that that's, there's something to it? 
I think there's great validity to that. <laughs> I think, like, think about how awful an avocado toast must be if you have a beard like that. You basically, it's off the menu. I mean, anything, yeah. anything open face is off the menu. <laughs> you know. Um, speaking of James Harden, yeah, James Harden has been the source of much conversation this year. James Harden's play this year so far overrated, properly rated, underrated. His play or the concerns about his play. The concerns about his play. Let's do that. I feel like that's do that. I think that they're just, just slightly like just one uh, over into under into overrated territory. I, that's where I'm at too. Yeah. Like they're just a little overrated. Um, there's truth there. It's been weird. The eye test has been hinky, but at the same time, there's been like huge games and games where he looked great and games where he shot 20 free throws at the free throw line. And where you do it, where that's where the free throws happen, Mike. Um, so there's some evidence to suggest that, like, it feels like a weird thing to like portal in and out of, like the ability to have a one off, like 38 point triple double or whatever. And then <clears throat> when you're playing against the Suns, have like the most horrific game of your life. Like, if you can do it one, like, you, you should, it's either one or the other. You should be consistently doing one or the other. That you can that you can do that he can have those big games. It's it seems indicative to me that it's still there to a certain extent. Why it's not there on a nightly basis? That's very strange. It's very interesting. Um, but if if he was just like having a complete like all the way down in every category season and never having a good game, I would of course be super concerned. But that doesn't seem to be the case. So I'm slightly overrated as well. His overall stat line: twenty nine and eight on forty one percent from the field 36 percent from three 90 percent from the free throw line his free throw attempts actually are like one attempt off per last season so as much as there's been discussion about the rule change it's not like a drastic change overall from the his trend line yeah but his trend line's pointing down here's some scary statistics for you brian we've talked about this before but 18 percent of harden's field goal attempts are coming from between zero to three feet from the hoop which is by far the lowest of his career. Like Harden is the, the perfect uh, embodiment of Maury Ball, where it's only been uh, layups, free throws, and three-pointers. And he's very quickly just been shifting away from getting any layups at all. 18% by far so, the lowest so, of his so, career. So that's percent is attempts? A, a percent of his attempts. So okay. one of five of his attempts Got it. overall from the field are, are basically layups. Uh-huh which is a drastic change from his career. He used to be up around like 30%, okay. which is a big, a pretty big difference. Um, he hits 58% of those shots, which is the second lowest of his career. But 58% not like dramatically lower than where he's been at his high. It's just, it's still the second lowest of his career. His free throw rate, which is the percentage of free throw attempts he gets off of his field goal attempts, like the amount of times he gets fouled every time he, he shoots the ball, is the fourth lowest of his career. He's had one dunk all year, according to basketball reference. He's never been a dunker, but he doesn't. That goes along with him not getting near the hoop. He's not dunking from 12 feet out. I don't know if people know that. And his true shooting percentage is the second lowest of his career. What, what, but, are these in the in the lowest of these, like what, what was the down year that he had? Is there like a specific? Well, so like when he was like, a rookie. Okay, so like all the way back then. It wasn't like, because yeah. I was looking at through his, again, I was just zeroed in on these drives per game stats, and his drives per game aren't way off from his lowest years, even with like Houston. 
So I'm interested in the shots at three feet and in. Uh, and I'm wondering yeah. if drives like his drives aren't getting as deep as the that that seems like to be maybe the case. Yeah, like because because if you had a picture like when you picture James Harden this year, it is three point shots and it is more of like kind of like a mid rangey James Harden drive. Yeah. Right. Like he kind of pulls up from like just outside three feet. He kind of pulls up around the four to eight feet range. Right. And tries to put something in. He's not getting to the hole and getting under the basket and putting up a layup. Um, his true shooting percentage is off second lowest of his career, but he's average, you know, but he's basically like close to his career average. So that, that's not that drastic, but just he's, he's chipping away at being efficient and getting to the bucket. He isn't that anymore. And he hasn't been hitting his three point shot that well. So it's like a cause for concern, but overall he's 29 and eight. He's not superstar James Harden right now. And whether that's the hamstring or whether that's just age and kind of declining play, I, it, it's so tough to figure out. It's an important factor because if you just do not get Kyrie Irving back, then you're really left with superstar KD, all-star level Harden, but like not a guarantee, like not an all-NBA Harden. You know, he was all-NBA Harden. Now he's not that anymore. I, he's I, all-star. Harden. I watched a, a couple of YouTube videos going down this rabbit hole just for a couple of oh, yeah. <laughs> And it was one of the, um, I'm not going to be able to uh, remember the name of the channel, but um, I think it was called Heat Check. Could be, shout out to Heat Check, potentially. Um, did one, he kind of compared it to a year, um, I think it was the 2017, potentially 2016, 2017 season, um, where Chris Paul injured his hamstring early on the season. They were like off to a really bad start. Um, and uh, there was, that was the other like sort of notable time where his conditioning started to first appear. They were like, Hey, he's out of, out of shape. And basically there was like a whole news cycle about how he spent like six weeks, like hyper training, getting himself back into shape and, and basically like having one of the best um, seasons of his career. So like, I only say that not to, to say, you know, this is, Four, five years ago and you know your body is totally different now or whatever um but it was interesting because like there's been a specter of slow starts with james harden um and also you know obviously conditioning stuff um for a while so it's not that it's I, i'm just glad to see a little bit that this just not like a one-off that this has kind of been a thing that's gone on a little bit in the past yeah so i it's kind of important for him to play better but again the nets are first in the east so let's you know, yeah, come on uh, last basketball okay. over and underrated, properly rated. This goes back, Brian. Uh, Joe Size's decision not to pay Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I just want to remind people before we say the answer, it would have been about like $70 million a year to pay Spencer Dinwiddie with his salary plus luxury tax. Something insane like that. Okay. But I will say it is underrated. Dude. Not in the not my money department, like he's this would be the perfect player for this team right now, Spencer. He he would he is exactly what this team need. Again, when they made the decision not to pay Spencer Dinwiddie, they thought they would have Kyrie Irving. Yeah. One, we didn't know exactly what the vaccine requirement would be, but but Kyrie was saying to the Nets, we believe he was saying because that's what's been reported that he would get vaccinated, so there'd be no issue. So the team knows this; they have this in their back pocket. They believe they're going to have Kyrie Irving this year. If you have Kyrie Irving, you don't really need to pay Spencer, didn't we? I understand that. But it this is just sort of like a karma of being an owner. 
Anytime an owner makes a decision that is financial over what happens on the floor, it comes back to bite them. It's just right. Just We're pure like, karma. Just pure it's, spiritual. It's, and I understand $70 million for Spencer Dinwiddie a year with salary and luxury tax is an insane cost on a team that is already so expensive. It just has to be said, because this is why we do the pod. We do it for the fans and not for the fat do, cats. Do it, do it for a mic. The owner's Put box. it out there. Say it to them. If they had Spencer Dinwiddie, this team would be undefeated, and wow. they would have, they would go eighty two and zero, and they'd win a championship. It is massively triggering to see the headlines, and I there was a whole spat of them uh, a couple weeks ago. Just be like, wow, you know what's some of the like most incredible thing about Spencer Dinwiddie? He's like so versatile. He's whatever you need him to be on a night. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I know that's what I liked about him. He was great. He was great. I miss him to death. So, so great. Um, quick uh, non basketball overrated underrated Black Friday. Overrated. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, how can you possibly? It's the most like <laughs> like rated thing. Like almost to this point where like it has to be underrated at this point. Like Black Friday might might be underrated. That is that is a, it's it's so massively overrated because those deals are around for weeks ahead of time and they will be here for weeks to come. <laughs> okay. The day remember okay. I remember as a young boy when Black Friday when I was a kid. Black uh, Friday was a met, Friday. Yeah, you you took off school, or you probably <laughs> Did didn't you have, have school. school after Thanksgiving. <laughs> I went to a really serious school. It was like you know, really you know. Did you have school during Thanksgiving? We, we had school during Thanksgiving. Yeah. We did. Yeah. Um, I went to a Circuit City at six o'clock in the morning with my dad. Good God! I don't know what I would have been getting. Good Lord! It could have been nothing in my life that I would have wanted that badly. You know what? If but it was a day. <laughs> Now it's month. I'll give, I'll give you a little this comparison. Would you rather sit in a bathroom stall during a Nets playoff game for a dollar? NBA finals, or, Brian, not a playoff finals or, game. Or sit on the line at a circuit city during a Nets <laughs> Much rather be in the bathroom, 100%. You, you like the Circuit bath? city was one of the worst places in America. Um, for, for many, many years. And it was, it was a rough crowd that day too. It was like, it was that, that early morning black Friday crowd before Amazon, when you had to go to a store to buy stuff, mm-hmm. it was no jokers there. No, okay. No casuals <laughs> as the kids say, <laughs> that was some it. hardcore shit. Mm-hmm. Black Friday, Brian, last thing before we go, let's, let's lift up the spirits. Okay. I feel like the show, maybe we're so serious. So let's yeah, be it's so serious. Let's lift up the spirits. So serious. Uh, Kemba Walker's career is over. I don't know. If you haven't been following this, uh, it's been actually an interesting, it was an interesting 30 minutes on Twitter where Tom Thibodeau had a press availability where he names Alec Burks, the starting point guard for the Knicks and literally says that Kemba Walker is out of the rotation. And then after that, we get Steve Nash's press conference where Joe Harris, you know, is done for four to six or four to eight uh, weeks. Uh, I just want to say this. Okay. Kemba Walker seems like a delightful man. Okay. Everyone loves him. Right. Everyone can't, everyone I can't talks, speak to any of that. I don't know. I don't know. Can't speak to it. <laughs> I just, the, the Knicks media machine being kicked into overdrive the second they signed Kemba Walker is stunning. Now I liked the signing because it was like, there's no real cost to it and all that stuff. But all of these Kemba homecoming pieces mm. that were launched, the, the thousands of, the Bay of Pigs yeah. level, the amount of warships that were launched yeah. for, 
for Kemba Walker, the fact that he's from the Bronx and he's a high school basketball alleged legend. Uh, reading coming home to the Knicks. Reading those dead spins had you like you're like the Grinch watching the Who's in Whoville. <laughs> <laughs> you were pissed. Um, and now to see that we're here in November, not even December yet, but November, mm-hmm. and he's out of the rotation publicly, not even just quietly DN second DOP, like a, an announcement. We're not playing him anymore. It's brutal. Which is like, when does that ever happen? I guess like I was thinking about this technically. Blake is out of the rotation, right. and that is we a discussion. Didn't, we didn't have to like signal boost it. To, yeah, like, what's but, the point of that? This, this was like press conference. Alec Burks is starting at point guard. Kemba Walker, New York City legend, is gone. Yeah. <laughs> he is, he's been banished to play for the Westchester Knicks. Yeah, something like that. Not really, but yeah. so suck um, on that, Kemba. So this leads us into uh, Knicks Nets. I'm Brian, fired up. I'm excited. Is a loss terrifying? That's no. how I operate. I operate out of fear. Only fear losses... is not the mind killer to me. It feeds my mind. Now that the narrative has been set as like the Nets only main concern is like the top super tippy top elite teams. Everything else is gravy. Like we already have the other narrative of like beating <laughs> up on average to below average teams. Like that's that's how this stuff works. Like it's, you know, the the uh the media the medium is the message, you know? Um or what is it? Massage? No. The massage is the message? Something something like that. Um, but I, I'm not concerned about it when win, loss, or tie. Um, because I know in my heart that the Knicks are not um, a real team to be feared. Alec Burke, starting point guard. Is that it? So, <laughs> well, when you put it like that, that, that does change I can't change believe things. he's the starting point guard. Does change things. Um, yeah, and and yes, the the it would be... I guess even if they lost, I wouldn't be that concerned because they've been playing so... I mean, the Nets have been playing pretty well. It, it, let's not poo-poo the way that they've been performing of late. They've been playing well. They could lose to the Knicks, and, I, and then they play the Timberwolves. The Bulls game is actually the big game on Saturday. I don't know. I'm interested to see the level of intensity because that's one of the things that I have seen in the Elite games where it just doesn't feel like the Nets really... The full team rises to the moment. Like you'll have Kevin Durant playing great, you'll have Patty Mills being fiery. But like Harden kind of operates on the same level no matter what. And I just want a little bit more acuity. You know what I mean? Mm, a little acuity. more acuity. Acuity. A little dexterity. A little. I'm just thinking of like RPG, like you know, yeah, s- yeah. status buffs or whatever. Yeah. Mike, get us out of here for for crying out loud. Um, Five stars on Apple Podcasts. We need them. We want to have them. Thank you, everyone who's been doing that. I'm. It's just so delightful to see that you know people do take the time oh. to write out just a short. It takes only like thirty seconds at the most. We have three hundred and thirty-one ratings right now. Four point eight stars. On what is it? A Apple. naked handstand at five hundred. Um. So thank you all. Yeah, naked handstand on the Brooklyn Bridge. On the bridge on a zero degree day. We will do it. Um. So appreciate everyone. Honestly, if you're looking for a gift this holiday season, I really do suggest getting someone. You could give someone $12 and get them an athletic uh, subscription or prescription. You could get a prescription to the athletic as well. Brian. Michael, thank you. Thanks again. Once again. Bye-bye. Bye.